Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And, man, I'm sorry I should have let you know to bring your Bibles. And Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, and spend a few moments in the Word of God around the Lord's table. Ephesians chapter 5, the book of Ephesians was written as a book of encouragement to encourage the church at Ephesus to walk with God. And uh, we looked at that this morning, didn't we? Ephesians chapter 3, by His Spirit. And uh, all the things that God wants to accomplish in our lives is by the indwelling Spirit of Christ working in us, and that we might know His love and know uh, more about Him, the instructive things of the Word of God. And so, in light of all of that, we come to Ephesians chapter 5, and He says, Then be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Like, just take some thoughts from that verse tonight. An offering and a sacrifice to God. That's what we're here to think about, isn't it? And we try to, each time we come to the Lord's table, try just to think about one little thing or something that we can focus on. Tonight, we're going to talk about a couple, though. We're going to talk about an offering and a sacrifice to God. You know, for God to love the world that he gave. Yes. And the Bible says we're to walk in love as Christ loved us, and he gave himself an offering and a sacrifice. He gave. He gave of himself. And so let's have a word of prayer tonight, and we'll get into the scriptures for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you bless it now. Help us to understand it. Speak to our hearts. And Lord, more importantly, Help the word to draw our focus to Calvary. That's the whole purpose of tonight. It's not, Lord, that we would necessarily pack out altars or, uh, Lord, to uh, tear a hide off somebody because of sin. Lord, we already know we're sinners. That's why we're here. That's why we come to this table, to thank you for the broken body and the shed blood that were both broken and shed because of our sin. So, Lord, I pray that, if anything, the word would humble us before you tonight and help us to be mindful of what you have done for us. And so, Lord, I pray that 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 focus would come in view in the next few moments before we take of these elements. Lord, bless our thoughts about you, that they might be sweet, they might be right, they might be holy. And, Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Read that verse again with me, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. But be ye followers of God as dear children. I looked up that word followers. You think, well, you have to look up the word followers? You don't know what that means? I learned a long time ago, sometimes when you look up the Greek, it's not for correction, it's for color. It just kind of paints in some of the cracks a little bit, and you see things a little fuller. That word followers is the word mimeo. M-I-M-E-O in the Greek. We get our English word mimic or mime or a mimeograph. How many of you are old enough to remember mimeographs? In other words, something that copies. That's what a mime does, isn't he? He copies another or he mimics another. That's what the word mimic means, is to imitate or to follow. And when the Bible says to be a follower of God, we are to be mimics of God. The word Christian means little Christ. That's what they called them in the book of Acts. Little Christ. The Bible says we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. 
Conformity means to look the same. Uh, we, we wear uniforms. You ever had a job where you wore a uniform? The word uniform means one form. It's so that everybody looks the same. You can usually go into a, a restaurant and you can pick out the manager because they're dressed a little bit different than everybody else in a uniform. But for the regular employee, you don't know who's flipping the hamburger, who's making the French fries. They, they're in uniform. They look the same. That's what this word follower means, that we ought to look like Christ. So to be a follower of Christ is to conform ourselves to his image. Then the Bible says in verse 2, if we're going to look like Christ, we ought to walk in love. And walk in love. That's, that's how Christ did it. He walked in love. As Christ also hath left us, loved us, and given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. As the Lord Jesus Christ, or as Paul the Apostle is, is describing the Lord Jesus Christ's love for us, he talks about a giving love. I just want you to look at three words tonight. Look at the first one, given. He was given. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. Yes. Given. You know that word given means to surrender power to. To give over control. When you give a gift to somebody, you no longer have a claim on it. It belongs to them. You can do with it whatever you want because it's now in your possession. It belongs to you. You have no rights or privileges left on that gift because you gave it away. And when God gave his son, Jesus Christ, he gave him for us. When the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 2, the Bible says he gave himself or he was given of himself, uh, he, he's saying, I'm surrendering all rights. He'll never cry, it's unfair, but he came, because he came for a very purpose, to give himself for us. There was a certain way that the Lord Jesus Christ looked at the, uh, the crucifixion that it was not something that he was to shy away from. Oh, he didn't enjoy it. There was no pleasure in the cross. He even pleaded in the garden that God might let this cup pass from him. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. But the Bible says that he gave himself. I want you to understand something. That's not submitted. I've heard, I've heard, I heard people say sometimes, well, Jesus submitted himself to the cross. The Bible never says that. I looked it up. I made sure I looked it up. I've, you ever said anything, Brother Calvin? They said, well, the Bible never says, and then it does. Boy, that gets me in trouble sometimes. But I looked this up. The Bible never uses the word submit with Christ going to the cross. It says he became obedient unto death because it was God's will. The word submit means to give over control after a struggle. Think about that. God never struggled with this decision. Jesus just freely gave himself. In the garden, he asked, but it was almost like, God, are you sure? Is this No problem, I'll do it. You would ask too. But he gave. There was no joy in the cross, but there was joy beyond the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, listen to this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The, the cross was not the joy. It was an endurance. Yeah. It was something he had to put up with. 
because of the joy that was set before him. Despising the shame, and here's the joy, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but have you ever thought about what happened in Acts chapter 1? The Bible says the apostles were all gathered on that hillside outside Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus Christ was caught up into the heavens. And an angel said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus, which is taken from you up into the heavens, so shall come in like manner as you have seen him go. And they went back to the villages and the place and began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But have you ever thought for a moment what happened in heaven when Jesus showed up? You think you might hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What did Jesus hear? The Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of angels when one lost sinner comes home. What about when Jesus came home? When the son arrived back. I just kind of picture it as a throne at the right hand of the father and he walks up and there's a crown on that throne. He picks it up. And he places his back on his head and he sits down at the right hand of the father. I'm just dreaming. The Bible doesn't say. But there must have been some sort of celebration when Christ came home. The Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross for you and for me. The joy was not the cross. It was the crown that followed. Then we see another word. Not only was he given, the Bible says the word offering there. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering. An offering. He said, well, isn't that the same as a gift? Yes. But this is an offering. The word means it is given for a purpose. Given for a purpose. Sometimes we, we might take an offering for a purpose. We set aside offering for the project in Jordan. And so we had a purpose in that offering. You know, if you read in the Old Testament, that's what all the offerings were for. They would bring them, they would be a a thank offering or an offering for atonement or an offering for sin. There was a purpose in every offering. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he said he gave himself, it wasn't just willy-nilly for any purpose. He gave himself an offering for our sins. There was a purpose behind it. There, There was... Him giving himself over and surrendering control, but make no mistake about it, he wasn't surrendering control to Roman soldiers. He was surrendering control to his father, who had a will for his life that he would go to the cross and bear the sins of the world and shed his blood, a ransom for many. That was what the offering was for. We might take a Christmas offering, a Thanksgiving offering, an anniversary offering. Christ was the offering for sin. There was a purpose behind it. Wouldn't it have been a shame if they had taken him and only imprisoned him? They say, wait a minute, wouldn't that have been better than death? Not for you and I, it wouldn't have been. He was an offering for sin, and a sin offering was a purpose for our atonement. It speaks of his willingness when we talk about an offering. An offering is a free will thing, isn't it? We give our tithe because we are, the tithe is the Lord's, but we give an offering above and beyond our tithe sometimes as a, as a love gift to the Lord. It is something that God purposes in our hearts and we give it unto the Lord as an offering above our tithe. And, and so when we think of the word offering in the Bible, it talks about willingness, 
Are you willing to give it? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, Who who, uh, needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. He gave himself. It was a willing gift. But not only does it speak of his willingness, it speaks of his love. In Romans chapter 5, it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why was this offering given? Because he was willing, but it was motivated for his love for us. But then there was one more word in Ephesians 5 verse 2, and it's the word sacrifice. The word sacrifice. He could not simply be imprisoned or punished and released. He had to die. It wasn't just an offering alone. It was a sacrifice. When I think about those animals that were given in the Old Testament, do you know that not every animal died? Most did. But there was a a goat, a he-goat, that was taken to the wilderness and the priest would pray over that goat and place upon him the sins and, and release him into the wilderness. And it was a picture, a, a sign only of our sins being removed as that goat would wander off into the wilderness called the scapegoat. And we think of our sins being removed as far as the east is from the west. And that's what it would picture, the separation of our sins or the forgiveness of our sins, but it was only a picture. But Christ was a sacrifice, chosen to die. Some might say, well, if the shedding of blood is for the remission of sin, couldn't we have just poked his finger and dripped a little blood? No. The wages of sin is death. And for our sin, he must die. So he was an offering, but he was also a sacrifice. He could not be simply imprisoned. He could not just be punished. He could not be scourged and humiliated. It was not enough to satisfy the wrath of God. It was necessary that Christ was fully given over to death. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, if you will. Hebrews chapter 10. I'll close with this passage before we come to the Lord's table. Some of this language is awful confusing, but it gets very clear in the last couple verses, so bear with me. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things, of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Notice, this will just help us to think this through. The law has a shadow of good things. It looks similar. A shadow. But it is not the very image. It's not exact. It's a picture. Yes. All right? Sometimes people get so hung up on that that they'll take everything from the old and they say, this has got to look exactly, exactly carbon copy in the New Testament. It doesn't always work that way. The Bible says it's just a shadow, not an image. But it is there to help us understand the new. And so all those sacrifices and all those things, but listen, and you can say, why is it not an image? And why is it only a shadow? Because none of those lambs were sinless, perfect, spotless. Only the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was. 
The Bible says as we read on in verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. And that's exactly what the author is saying. If those sacrifices were not good enough, wouldn't they just stop? Wouldn't it once and for all, they would have purged their sins, they would have been okay? But they weren't. They were just a shadow of things to come. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldst not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. The author says there's, God had no pleasure in all those offerings because it was a constant remembrance of sin. He had no pleasure in those offerings, seeing all those lambs die because it just meant his people kept sinning and blood kept being shed as a result. So the Lord would come and remedy it all with one final sacrifice. Verse nine, then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. He took away the sacrifices of the bulls and the lambs and the goats. And the new covenant was established by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Listen to this, once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offerings oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Let me read verse 12 again. But this man after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we come to the Lord's table tonight, we pray, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. Father, the Lord's table is for us in the sense that we are to remember our frail human minds, unable to comprehend all the wonders of God, but Lord, for this moment, we are just to dwell upon the body and blood of Christ and the work of Calvary. We are to give thanks for that. But the Lord's table is also for you. It's a memorial service of sorts. It's to draw us closer to you. Yes. It's to help us as your children to acknowledge your work that you might receive proper praise. So Father, in a moment, we'll follow the scriptural admonition and the Bible says, let every man examine himself. I pray, Lord, that each one in this room would do that. Yes. That we might take of the Lord's table tonight in a worthy manner. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's bow together and examine our hearts before God.